Today we are going to kind of conclude this part one of this covenant series that I've been uh, bringing. The, um, the reason for doing it the way I've done it here is because before we get into the, post, the, exil, the exilic and post-exilic literature, we have to understand, all right, as a major theme, that uh, an emphasis within this time is the fact that God has not abandoned his people and that God has expectations for them that ultimately will come about with revival, all right? And the covenant is critical. The covenant is critical. You look at the book of Jeremiah, you look at Isaiah, Isaiah being earlier, Jeremiah being exilic, Ezekiel being exilic, and then all that literature, even if you look at Daniel and who he is and how he acts, it all comes down to the fact that God has made a covenant with Israel. God has not abandoned Israel, and God is working through Israel despite their unfaithfulness, and he will restore them. That's just generally how it works. And so we approach the first part of these, this series theologically regarding the covenant. And you can see by the theme here, <clears throat> uh, God makes mutually binding covenants with mankind that only he is able to ultimately keep. That's been this covenant theme. I've kind of bounced around with it, but uh, I want to just keep it to that at this point. I think we've uh, exhausted all the other discussions regarding it. Also, I want to remind us of this pattern. Israel's relationship with God, election, transgression, commitment, renewal is our pattern. Isn't it nice to know that because God has chosen us, chosen us to believe, God has enlivened us through His Spirit. Really, God, for the foundations of the world, God decided that you and you and you, me, we would accept the Messiah, that he would enlighten us to this amazing truth. All right? And yet, we've been elected, but we sin. And God doesn't toss us out. He doesn't ratch, you know, do little chalk marks on the board and say, you have now committed this sin a dozen times or a hundred times, therefore you're out. No, he forgives. He forgives just like he forgives Israel. And he recommits himself to Israel, recommits himself to us, and renews us. You know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's amazing. You can still see that. You see that in the exilic and post-exilic literature. All right? So this, this renewal pattern, all right, this pattern of relationship is, is something we can not only see with Israel, but we see it in our own lives I want to take a moment and review how covenants generally work. Usually a covenant offered by a greater one, accepted by a lesser one. We talked about the suzerain vassal treaty. God's covenants tend to work a bit differently, offered and sustained by God, accepted by those he elects. That's, that's the way I sum it up. When you look at biblical covenants, that's how it works. God is the greater one, always, and he elects people. He chooses people to covenant with God's covenants are always conditionless. Conditionless. His blessing is conditional. His covenants are conditionless because he wants to have a conditionless relationship. God wants to have a conditionless relationship, and that's grace. It's also based on the fact, though, he has conditionally elected you. You know, we had a little conversation. Was it Wednesday night? Do you know that you cannot lose your salvation? You know what that means? There you are eternally secure. That's an important truth. And this goes back, I mean, the Christians have this developed theologically. You're either a Calvinist or a Minion on this, okay? Meaning, 
You believe that once you have come into right relationship with God, that you've accepted Messiah Yeshua, in essence, that God has called you and saved you, that despite your sinfulness and your disobedience, God isn't going to toss you away. You are eternally secure. Although I have to point out that if you are stepping out on God and your life seems to be miserable, maybe it's because God's trying to get your attention, okay? Those whom he loves, he spanks. That's, that's really what that means there, okay? He spanks them, disciplines them, starts with a feather and gets all the way down to the two-by-fours, all right? But there's another theological view on the Armenian side where you can lose that salvation, all right? And I'm not Armenian, so I don't really fully understand it, but it's hard to believe that God would, would uh, get rid of one who's in relationship with him. I don't think it's possible. All of this based on God's sovereignty and man's free will, question mark, because doggone it, I really don't understand that. Okay? But I'm so glad that God saved me. But it always, God's covenants always contain stipulations expected to be obeyed. That's where the condition is. You want God's blessing in your life. You need to follow God's instructions. You know? In all ways, whether it comes with your money, it comes with your time, it comes with your, your, uh, your appetites, you know, the things that you, you consume for your own interests. If you want God's blessing, follow his instructions. Christians tend to understand and interpret the scriptures regarding covenant. We talked about homiletics, remember? How Christians tend to understand. Now, this is really, uh, the, uh, I, 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 generally speaking, these two perspectives are the perspectives of Christianity. The first, covenant reformed. Uh, if you remember, we talked about them in, in terms of evangelicalism, you know, Presbyterians, but really it's Catholics. and It's a, it's a broad scale. You're Baptists, Reformed Baptists. So the bottom line is, is that their belief is that the Sinai covenant is spiritualized, no current or future role or special relationship between God and physical Israel. All Old Testament references to God's covenant and role with physical Israel are transferred and applied to the Christian church including Israel's responsibility to be a blessing to the nations. As Augustine said, the only reason God kept the Jews around is so that they could be a sign of his displeasure. <laughs> so that's it. In Reformed Covenant, basically classic Christian perspective, your identity as a Jew has no spiritual purpose. Right? Most would not say you're here to basically, so God can make your life miserable. I don't think many would say that today. But there, there, this theological construct, this hermeneutical construct of covenant and reform theology doesn't have a place for us. Not today, not in the future. Dispensationalism or dispensational hermeneutical understanding says that the Sinai covenant is terminated, that Israel remains God's physical people today by the Abrahamic covenant, but has no current active role. The problem with dispensationalism is that dispensationalism understands what Israel is in the past. They have an eschatological understanding in the future, but they really have nothing to say about us today. Their hermeneutics don't allow for it, right? Israel has a special role when Messiah Yeshua returns to establish his kingdom. The problem with these Christian hermeneutical approaches is they don't, I think, they don't probably handle the scripture. Because all you got to do is read the scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And if you look carefully, you'll notice that this particular people keeps popping up. And it's Israel. Covenant theology spiritualizes Israel. That's how they deal with that. 
Israel isn't necessarily Israel. Israel is a spiritual community who's following God. And so they can be consistent. I give them credit for that. Dispensationalism is inconsistent. That's a problem with dispensationalism. All right? Both Christian perspectives have some valuable insights. All right? You should read these things. But the missing piece is what do you do with Israel? What do you do with Israel? All right? And so I think that what I want to do is we're going to begin. There's a video I want to show. Uh, it's by, uh, um, it's by Rabbi Sachs, Jonathan Sachs of England. He does some great stuff. But what he gives, I think, is a good classic Jewish perspective when it comes to our role and purpose. All right? And all of that is related to covenant. All right, so let's go ahead and, uh, and hear the video. into a faith. It chooses us before we choose it. Physically, we come naked into the world, but spiritually, we come with a gift, the story of our past, of our parents and theirs through almost 40 centuries. From the day Abraham and Sarah first heard the call of God and began their journey to a land, a promise, a destiny, and a vocation. That story is ours. It is a strange and moving story. It tells of how a family, then a collection of tribes, then a nation, were summoned to be God's ambassadors on earth. They were charged with building a society unlike any other, based not on wealth and power, but on justice and compassion, the dignity of the individual and the sanctity of human life. A society that would honor the world as God's work and the human person as God's image. That was and is a demanding task. Yet Judaism remains a realistic religion. It assumed from the outset that transforming the world would take many generations, hence the importance of handing on our ideals to the next generation. It takes many gifts, many different kinds of talent, Hence the importance of Jews as a people, because none of us has all the gifts, but each of us has some. We all count. We each have a unique contribution to make. We come before God as a people, each giving something and each lifted by the contributions of others. And yes, at times we fail or fall short Hence the importance of tshuva, repentance, apology, forgiveness, rededication. Judaism is bigger than any of us, yet it is made by all of us. And though Jews were and are a tiny people, today a mere fifth of a percent of the population of the world, we have made a contribution to civilization out of all proportion to our numbers. To be a Jew is to continue the journey our ancestors began, to help build a world that honors the image of God in every human being. 
and to be part of a people summoned by God to be his ambassadors down here on earth. That video, I think, captures very well Jewish understanding of of who we are in regards to God's covenant and God's expectations for us today. A good friend of mine, Jim Melnick, and uh, he wrote a book that uh, talked to, it's a book is Jewish Giftedness and World Redemption. And he goes through this and he talks about all these amazing things the Jewish people have done to bless the world. Incredible things. All right, and uh, Jim is is not Jewish. Jim's, uh, I think, a, a maybe Russian background or something. But he, he's he's a brilliant man, Harvard graduate. Uh, he's currently the the chair, um, the coordinator for the Lausanne Consultation of Jewish Evangelism International. He's a good friend, and uh, him writing this book uh, really encouraged me. Every once in a while, I wonder why does God care. In fact, uh, often I hear from young people, "Why does God care if I'm Jewish? Why does God care if I stay Jewish? Why does God care whether or not I marry a Jewish person?" And uh, what I'd like to do is give them Jim's book. Jim's book goes right along with what Rabbi Jonathan Sachs said. God has a very special purpose for the Jewish people that no one else can fulfill. Foundation of it is found in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And so, if this morning what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this, this responsibility, all of it tied in with God's covenant with us. All right? So again, uh, it's on the back of the announcement sheet. <laughs> you can also follow along on the PowerPoint but we're going to start about just by kind of talking about this last section, our synagogue's view on God's covenant with Israel and humanity. Now, Jews tend to understand and interpret the scriptures regarding covenant in this way. God established a single everlasting covenant with Israel that has developed and been reaffirmed throughout the scriptures. Israel continues to play their active and important role for God as his covenant people. Now, that is not a Messianic Jewish statement. Okay, what I just read you is basically my boiled down understanding of the way Jewish people view who they are in relation to the covenant. God made a single covenant. He didn't break it into pieces. There aren't five of them. It's one covenant. One covenant. Genesis 12 is the beginning of that covenant. All right? That single covenant kind of developed over time. People broke it, he renewed it. He bro- people broke it, he renewed it. All right, Deuteronomy, Devarim. It's the second recitation of the covenant. It's a little bit different than what you read earlier on in the Torah. But God gives them that second co- Why is God doing this? Because he chose the people. They're elected. He's holding on to them. And so this covenant is basically renewing as it goes along. And in the exilic and post-exilic literature, this is critical. This is critical. You cannot appreciate the exilic and post-exilic literature, if you do not understand that it's all about a reaffirmation of God's covenant relationship with Israel. And, oh, by the way, his expectation for them to live lives based on the Torah. Isn't that interesting? I mean, the prophetic literature, we look at it, and we look at it for eschatology. 
eschatology, it's really, really trying to encourage us to remember is that God is not done with the Jewish people and that God is going to renew them. And then ultimately what happens in all that renewal, as we'll talk about at the end, is that it is through Israel that the nations are blessed. It is always through Israel that the nations are blessed. Isn't that amazing? And they're blessed whether they believe or not. My secular grandfather was absolutely an atheist. But he did some amazing things in the world. Did he do it for God? Absolutely not. God did it despite himself to use him as a Jew in the areas in which he was working. Everything does come down to interpretation, though. Uh, you know, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. Take a look again on your sitter. Go ahead and turn with me. What page is it? Anybody know? Where's Gershon? 93. Page 92, 93. Embedded it, Yeshua says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 19, but just the first part, Yeshua says, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. The Greek word there literally means not to abolish, not to do away, not to annul, to deprive of force, to abrogate, to discard. I think that's clear. Do you think it's clear? That Greek word, kataluo, doesn't mean anything other than not abolished. It is not going to be abolished. Later on, he says, no, I came to fulfill them. No, I came to fulfill them. That Greek word, pleru, means to make full, to fill up, to fill to the full. You know how many times I've heard Christians teach that Yeshua came to terminate, end the law, and they'll use this phrase, as well as other phrases in the New Testament. Friends, how you study the text makes a difference. What really matters is what you bring into your reading of the text, your presuppositions. I've been a believer in Yeshua since I was 15 and a half. I wanted nothing to do with God, nothing to do with Messiah, certainly nothing to do with the morals, teachings of the biblical text. And God elected me, he chose me, and I said, God, I'll do anything. I don't want to have anything to do with Jews. And God sent me to Moody, and what do you know, I ran into Jews. <laughs> and he said, I want you to go work with Jewish people. I don't want to work with Jewish people. So I work with Jews for Jesus. And after Jews for Jesus, I'm done. I'm done with all this. But I ended up at Olive Tree, worked at Olive Tree for a little bit with Chosen People Ministries. And I said, okay, God, I really feel like you want me to go into ministry. I went into ministry. I'll say, I'll do anything you want. I just don't want to work with kids. And then we started Club Maccabee. And then Haderech Youth. But all that time, I held an understanding. It was a Christian presupposition. Thank God. I mean, wonderful Christian people discipled me. And they basically said, you're free from the law. Have a BLT. I never grew up eating, well, I ate, I ate trafe, I ate bacon, it's true. But never ate pork, it's Jewish thought, right? Yeah, we kept kosher, my mother, we kept kosher, we kept kosher. Yeah, sure, because we didn't eat pork chops. But my mother, she likes her, likes her lobster, crazy. Maybe you have the same type of thing. But how you read the text makes a difference. And I was told the law's been done away with. The law's been done with, you're free. This is the problem that the law's done away with. It strips away who we are today as Jews. 
church I went to is dispensational. It's a dispensational church. Wonderful believers. Believed in the gospel. But they had nothing to say for me as a Jew today and how I should live my life. There were no guidelines for me as a Jew. This is the problem with that form of interpretation. Matthew 5.17 is a great, a great text to point out there's a problem with their interpretation. Our synagogue's view on God's, God's covenant with Israel is, I think, pretty clear. <clears throat> We're going to just read through this, and I'm going to consider some points. This is not only ours. I helped to write this while president of the UMJC. Uh, it's the UMJC doctrinal statement, and we adopted it. God chose Israel. The Jewish Oh, I should say, I give credit here to Kinzer, Dr. Marco, Mark Kinzer, Dr. Daniel Juster, and Dr. Jeffrey Feinberg. The four of us made... Uh, we're on, that, on this committee. God chose Israel, the Jewish people, and entered into an everlasting covenant with them so they might be the first fruits of a renewed humanity who would mediate blessing and restoration to all the nations of the world. In gracious love, God gave to Israel the Holy Torah as a covenantal way of life and the Holy Land of Israel as an inheritance and pledge of the blessing of the world to come. So taking it by point, As we break it down, God chose Israel, the Jewish people, and entered into an everlasting covenant. That's a singular. That's a singular everlasting covenant that God entered into with Israel. Permanent relationship that is obligatory for God. See, that's that amazing point to this. God obligates himself to us. Founded on God's grace and choice alone. His choice. He chose you. He chose me. You may say, I don't really feel all that chosen. And he really chose me. Yeah. You know what's nice about that? You ever, anybody here ever feel a little bad about themselves? Like, I'm not, I, I wish I was taller, smarter, better looking. God chose you for who you are. Yeah, you know, I'm short. I got my problems. I can't lose weight anymore, it seems like. You know, that's part of being human and in a broken world. But you know what? God loves me. God loves me. He selected me. I've got value because of that. God chose Israel in the same way. If you are here and you are Jewish, and that's pretty much all of us in this room, let us remember something very important. God chose us as a people because there's, there's a work for us to do. He chose us and elected us for a purpose. Isn't that amazing? We're not an accident. We're not a leftover from archaic years. You have an active responsibility today as a Jew so that they might be the first fruits of a renewed humanity. In selecting Abraham in Genesis, the whole point is to renew humanity. All right? It's renewal. Adam and Eve built the pomegranate, messed everything up, and God then wants to renew. Israel is the conduit, the physical conduit of that renewal that continues down to this age. Messiah Yeshua came, just as God said. Some Christians would say the Jews rejected Jesus and therefore abrogated their, their relationship with God. That Israel failed. I'm like, how did Israel fail? All the disciples were Jews. The early believers were all Jews. They went out there sharing the gospel until it became something that was mostly Gentile. All right? They did their job. We have done our job. Even today, I like to point out that the, the missionaries that opened up Afghanistan and China and Japan linguistically were all Jews who came to believe in Jesus. 
If you scratch deeply, what you often find is that some of the greatest pioneer missionaries were of Jewish background. God keeps his word. The Jewish people are still a blessing to the nations. Do you see yourself as a blessing to the nations? God wants to work through us to restore all things. We would mediate blessing and restoration to all the nations of the world. We're called for the purpose of blessing everyone. One of these days we'll have to show a video about all the stuff the Israelis do to, the, to help people around the world, even people that hate them. <laughs> Providing water uh, resources and education and technology and, and every time there's a, 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 like an earthquake, a bunch of Israelis, uh, you know, uh, paramedic type people run off and go help people. You know, the Syrian conflict... I mean, they're, they're providing aid. Recently, the, the, this Iranian who, uh, uh, scientist who helped to, to cause trouble to the Iranian um, electric, uh, nuclear program, uh, the Mossad extracted him on behalf of the Americans. <laughs> they preserved this man's life, got him and his family out of Iran. Isn't that amazing? They do all these amazing things. Why do they do it? Well, Israel's secular nation, honestly, but God is working through them anyway. In gracious love, God gave to Israel the Holy Torah as a covenantal way of life. Covenant grace demands faithfulness. God wants us to be faithful to him. How are we faithful to him? The three biggies. How are you doing on observing Shabbat? How are you doing on Kashrut? How are you doing in terms of just thinking and living in a way that identifiably sets you apart so people can go, oh, you're Jewish. You demonstrate faithfulness to God as a Jew through obedience to his commands. And no, you can't do it perfectly. Just like you can't love your neighbor as yourself perfectly. You just can't do it. But you should try. We should work at it. It's obligatory, even though we cannot fully keep it. It's not an excuse not to try. And the Holy Land of Israel is our inheritance. It belongs to Israel permanently. What part is, what's it going to be ultimately it's going to take place when Messiah returns, all right? Uh, you, you, may, you may believe one state, someone may say two states. You know, I mean, the bottom line is, folks, we can all have our opinions, but ultimately God has said that Israel belongs to the Jewish people, all right? That's, that's the point, and, uh, and that's what we have to hold on to. And the pledge of the blessing of the world to come, the restoration of God's presence, peace, rest, and prosperity, all of that will occur in the time of the Messiah, Yeshua. So, in summary, God's covenant with Israel is in force, including God's expectations for Israel, the Jewish people, to obey and live out the Torah commandments today and to be God's unique blessing to the world. You have a job to do today as a Jew to bless the people around you. And it's different. It's uniquely different than, than just being a believer. All believers should be blessing the people around us. All of us as followers of the Messiah, all of us should be blessing. But there is something supernatural. There is something that doesn't necessarily have to do with just you. It has to do with because of who you are, connected with the Jewish people. That when you intentionally choose to be a blessing in whatever way, because of your Jewish identity, that God works through it. I don't know why, and I can't explain it. All right? But it's something to think about. Have you ever just taken a moment and noticed how many Jewish names are on all of those social welfare programs? 
You know, why is it so many Jewish people want to help change the world? I think a lot of that is just God has put it in them. Has God put in you a passionate desire to make change? To bring tikkun olam, meaning not that Hasidic sense, but that actual sense of making a difference for God in this world. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be small. It has to be something that God has put on your heart. But are you even allowing him to do that? Ultimately, the nations are uh, beneficial, beneficiaries of God's covenant with Israel through the new covenant. And so as we are doing what we need to do as Israel, which we're not, okay? I mean, that's Romans 11. We're hardened, yet still, even in our hardened hearts, we're still providing some benefit to the world. But through Israel, the nations are blessed. That's, that's really the new covenant, Jeremiah 31. We're going to unpack this stuff as we go along. That's why I want to just get this on the record one last time, because from this final point, <clears throat> what we're going to be doing is uh, moving forward. Next, next week's the uh, women's aliyah, so and I'm going to talk to the men about what's it mean to, like, we're going to man up men next week, all right? But uh, we're going to do a historical overview. I thought about asking Esther to stand up here and do that, but probably not. But I want to do a historical overview. It may take a couple of weeks, but the idea is to try and capture this exilic and post-exilic period. I think it's important to understand that, and then based on that, we're going to start looking at texts. All right? And so next, next couple of weeks will be some text that's more historical. I know how many of you love historical studies? That's what I thought. Okay, so uh, we'll do a little bit of historical stuff, but then we're going to get into, into text. We'll probably take by book. All right? And uh, obviously Esther's coming up. How do we, you know, anybody ever thought about the historicity of that book? We're going to talk about stuff like that. All right? Because where did it come from? All right? So we'll talk about it. Uh, as well as these other, these other books. All right, so uh, in summary, whoop, in summary, how are you doing at meeting God's expectations for you? All right, it's not meant to guilt trip. It's meant just think about it. How am I doing at meeting God's expectations? Where am I doing well? Where am I not doing so well? All right, that's, that's an inventory time, a personal inventory time. How are your life choices as a Jew demonstrating your commitment to observe God's covenant with Israel? His physical people laid out in the Torah. How are you at setting aside the Shabbat? I mean, for some people, it's very difficult. You have to work. You don't have a choice, all right? It's just this reality of living in, in Galut, in diaspora, okay? Some of you take extra hours on Shabbat. You shouldn't do that. You guys shouldn't go to school on Shabbat. You don't have to in Skokie, all right? Uh, I'd encourage you not to shop on Shabbat. But these are all things you can read in the pamphlet, which is on the wall over there, all right? But life choices, how are you making choices as a Jewish person consistent with God's expectations for you within the Torah? And then how are you living as a Jew? How is, are you as a Jew living as a blessing to the nations through your life choices as a follower of Messiah Yeshua? The intentionality of seeking to be a blessing. The intentionality of wanting to make a difference in this world. Two things, three things to think about. And uh, may God indeed... Encourage us and bless us as we move forward in this study. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you so much for the fact that you are a God who forgives. <laughs> that uh, Messiah didn't come to abolish. He came to bring it to its fullness, which is totally different than termination. God, we thank you for the fact that you hold on to those you elect. That we are all here safe in our relationship with you. That even when we struggle, even when we stumble, even when we literally fall flat on our face, 
You are there to help pick us up and to forgive us, God, as we confess our sin. I pray, God, that we would live lives as easy, repentant ones, that you would use us within our Jewish community and then outside our Jewish community. Help us to be a blessing to the nations, God, intentionally, that you would be glorified. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.